All right, well, welcome to everyone this morning, and a special welcome to those who are new to the Open Door. Maybe you're just checking us out. Maybe you're just trying church again because you've had a bad experience in the past, or you're just curious about this whole Jesus thing. We want you to know that we are very glad that you are here. We believe that you're not here by accident and that God has something for everyone. So we've been going through the book of Acts, which is written by Luke, who also wrote the Gospel of Luke. <clears throat> now, while writing these books, Luke took a large amount of time interviewing eyewitnesses of all the events that were written within. You'll see that there are several instances where God's Spirit leads someone to do something specifically for God's purposes. People who gave their testimonies to Luke. Now, as a Christian, as a follower of Christ, one of my favorite things to do is to hear testimonies of how others came to putting their faith and trust in Jesus. And I find that those who have had their lives transformed are very willing to do that. They're very willing to talk about it. It strengthens my faith to hear these stories. I also find that testimonies are a way to spread the gospel because God uses people and their stories to lead others back to Him. Now, there's nothing more beautiful, nothing more powerful to me than hearing a testimony of a person that Jesus relentlessly pursued come to the realization of their own brokenness and their need for a Savior, where a life has been changed forever. But why is that so powerful? What does it show? I mean, what does it do for all of us? Why would it be powerful to hear testimonies here, especially in the setting of a big church and a sea of people? Well, in the parable of the lost sheep, Jesus gives us an answer. Jesus speaks of a man who has a hundred sheep, And he loses just one. He searches the entire countryside until he finds it. He runs back and he excitedly tells everyone, Rejoice with me, for I have found my sheep that was lost. Then Jesus says, Just so I tell you, there will be more joy in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 righteous persons who need no repentance. Again, in the next parable, a woman loses one of of ten valuable coins. She searches her house top to bottom until she finds it. She calls everybody to celebrate. And then again, Jesus says, I tell you, there is joy before the angels of God over one sinner who repents. So what does that tell us? Jesus tells us that each one of us matter, even before we knew him. Now, God, our Father, not only cares about his church as a group, but he cares about you as if you were an only child. So do you know that love? That's why God invites us to be in community with Him, to build a relationship with Him. But what's the first thing that you generally need to build a relationship? The ability to communicate. And God communicates with us through His Word, through His church, through Jesus, and through the Holy Spirit. In Pastor Steve's last message, he said that God is still at work today. And how do we know that? Well, because people talk about it. They give testimonies of real events that happened. And God is still, indeed, at work today. And I'd like to share a couple of stories, really testimonies of God's leading in my own life. I'd also like to point out that as you hear them, my hope is that you'll see that these stories are not about me, but they're about God's plan in other people's lives. Before we do that, though, I want to jump into, uh, we want to start with Scripture straight out of the book of Acts. And we want to read one of those testimonies, specifically of Philip, the evangelist, and see how God directed and used Philip on a particular day. Acts 8.26 says, Now an angel of the Lord said to Philip, Rise and go toward the south, to the road that goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. This is a desert place. And he rose and he went, and there was an Ethiopian, a eunuch, a court official of Candace, queen of Ethiopians, who was in charge of all treasure. Now he had come to Jerusalem to worship and was returning seated in his chariot. 
He was reading the prophet Isaiah. And the Spirit said to Philip, Go over and join this chariot. So Philip ran to him and heard him reading Isaiah the prophet and said, Do you understand what you're reading? And he said, Well, how can I unless somebody guides me? And he invited Philip to come over and sit with him. Now the passage of the scripture that he was reading was this. Like a sheep, he was led to the slaughter. Like a lamb before its shearer is silent, so he opens not his mouth. In his humiliation, justice was denied him. Who can describe his generation? For his life is taken away from the earth. And the eunuch said to Philip, About whom, I ask you, does this prophet say this? About himself or about someone else? And then Philip opened his mouth. And begin with this scripture, he told him the good news about Jesus. See, God led Philip through the power of the Holy Spirit to lead this eunuch to Jesus. And in the same way, he uses his people every day in big ways and in small ways. And I've experienced that. One of these ways happened on my way to work about eight years ago. And it started with just a whisper. A few of you know that I live in the cities. I play music for a career. And on this particular day, I was supposed to perform on the Sunset Cruise Boat in Spicer on Green Lake. So I drove up there and immediately noticed that the power in Spicer was not working. From a previous conversation that I had with my wife while I was on the road, I knew that there was a tornado watch in the area. And then suddenly there were visions in my head of a giant boat being tossed in turns in the waves. And the theme song to Gilligan's Island was playing in my head. (laughs) So after talking with the owner upon arrival... He informed me that the cruise was canceled. He paid me fairly, and then he sent me home. So I left Spicer, passing New London to go out of town. Now, I had my mind and my heart fully set on going home, fully expecting to be there before 8 o'clock so I could go and surprise my family. Now, about two miles past New London, my grandma, Nora, pops into my head inexplicably. Grandma was 96. She was in a nursing home in New London, and she was on the nursing side. She was living with congestive heart failure. And at that moment, I felt a very definitive nudging from the Spirit. God's whisper to me to go to her. And it was at that point I realized that the power might be out in New London, and it might be good for someone to go be with her. But I fought this this nudge that I had because it was comforting for me to escape this storm that was coming to go home to my family. But this whisper did not subside. It was like an earworm. It was like a song that you get stuck in your head. and said, go to her. So I turned around, I backtracked about eight miles to New London, and when I arrived, it was already raining, and the power was out. Walking up to the door, I could see the faces of the residents peering through the glass, with nothing but darkness beyond them. But my grandma Nora was not among them. I couldn't remember exactly where her room was, as I had only been there once since she had moved. I made my way down the corridor, lit only by emergency lights, and I thought to myself, how frightening it must be for some of these people. I finally found the room that she was in. It was dark. She was halfway facing the door in the wall, and she saw my shadow, and immediately, in a weak voice, she said, Help, I need some help. And her tiny, frail frame was upright in a wheelchair with a bucket placed in her lap, and my heart jumped up into my throat. My eyes watered a little bit, because God was right. I tried to tell her who I was, as she was a little bit disoriented. She finally figured out who I was, and immediately she wanted me to hold her hand, so I did. I never held my grandma's hand before, as long as I could remember. I probably did when I was a small boy, I guess. She had vomited during supper, and they sent her back to her room with a bucket on her lap. She said she wanted to go to bed, and she was just waiting for a nurse. And I hadn't even seen a nurse at this point. So I asked her if I could help, and she said no. So I cleaned up a little vomit from her shirt she was wearing, and I asked if I could pray for her. And she nodded, and so I did. So while holding her hand in a room lit only by emergency room lights... I prayed for strength to get over what was afflicting her, for rest, for peace of mind. And I thank God for her, 
for being a great rock of faith, for giving me such a great role model as I remember her singing hymns in the kitchen. I remember her reading her Bible at night, uh, the nights that I would stay over at the farm. I thank God for His Son, Jesus, who came to save us. I thank God for heaven and how great it was going to be for my grandma to be have a brand new body where she'd be able to run around as if she was a little girl again. And grandma nodded and she continued, she agreed with me while I was praying. I continued to hold her hand and after praying, she said she was so tired and she needed some rest. But still no nurse was to be found. So I asked her if I could put her into bed and she said yes. So in a scenario that I never thought I would be in, I picked up the tiny body of my grandma Nora out of her wheelchair. And it was right at this point, a scene from the book that I used to read to my children popped into my head. The book is titled, Love You Forever, in which a mother consistently rocks her little boy in his sleep while he's sleeping every night, even through to his adult years, with these sweet words, I love you forever, I'll like you for always, as long as I'm living, my baby, you'll be. Well, one night, the mother can no longer do this as she's too old and sick, and the boy, who's now all grown up, drives across town he picks his old mother up while she's sleeping. He rocks her saying the same words. I love you forever. I like you for always. As long as I'm living, my mommy, you'll be. I placed her in, my, in her bed and I maneuvered some oxygen tubes around her wheelchair. I removed her shoes gently and I covered her with a blanket. She wanted me to stay with her for a while. So I sat there in the darkened room as I listened to her labored breathing. I held her hand some more and I patted her back until she fell asleep, thinking of the times that I've done this with my own children. And she kept saying, thank you. Thank you. I left after she fell asleep. I informed a nurse that I finally found to keep an eye on her, and then I began my journey home. It was the last time that I saw Grandma. Grandma went to be with her Savior two months later. See, that experience was so powerful to me, I had to write it down in my prayer journal the next day. And it wasn't until a couple of years later that I experienced God's leading that strongly again. So I have a Facebook friend named Val. She lives in this area. She loves to sing. She's got a great voice. And I've had the opportunity to sing with her once or twice during my shows. About a month earlier on Facebook, I saw some pictures of a vacation that Val had taken with her sister, Amy. Amy was in a very late stage of cancer. I thought to myself, what a meaningful trip that must have been. What an amazing gift that Val had given to her sister to dedicate that amount of time to her. About a month later, I randomly see her name on a Facebook feed, so I felt led to send her a Facebook message, one of encouragement and prayer, and also one of my favorite scripture verses. Now, mind you, I'm not the kind of person who normally does that, especially to people that I don't know very well. The next day around noon, I read her response to my message, telling me that they were at the hospital and that Amy was mentally ready to go. At that moment, very clearly, and within seconds, God's Spirit whispered, you need to go to the hospital with your guitar, and you need to have Val sing to her sister. Let me pause for just a second. Because this is a true story, and it's testimony to truth, I'm going to be very embarrassingly honest and transparent with you. You see, I hate hospitals. I have for as long as I can remember. They've always been associated with something bad to me. And also, I'd never met Amy before, and I really didn't know Val that well. Another objection that I had was I was honestly scared. Scared to be around someone who was so frail, nearing the end of her life. Scared of what to say, how to act. What if something happened? And I know that those are all very selfish objections. So, I closed myself off to this terrifying whisper, and I said, no way. You see, God's Spirit can and sometimes does speak to us. But just as He offers His free gift of salvation through Jesus' sacrifice on the cross, He also offers us the choice. 
We can take it or leave it. We can be saved or not be saved. Or in this case, we can hear his voice and obey it or ignore it and deny it. As I've been looking back at this story, I'm reminded of Moses in Exodus when God tells him to confront Pharaoh and demand that he let his people go. But Moses protested to God, Who am I to appear before Pharaoh? Who am I to lead the people of Israel out of Egypt? God answered, I will be with you. And this is your sign that I am the one who sent you. When you've brought the people out of Egypt, you'll worship God at this very mountain. And in the next chapter, Moses is still arguing with God about going. Moses pleaded with the Lord, Lord, I'm not very good with words. I never have been. I'm not now. Even though you've spoken to me, I get tongue-tied and my words get tangled. And then the Lord asked Moses, well, who makes a person's mouth? Who decides whether people speak or do not speak, hear or do not hear, see or do not see? Is it not I, the Lord? Now go. I'll be with you as you speak and I'll instruct you in what to say. But I closed this Facebook message and I just said, no way. But five minutes later, I get this, you need to go, really. My next excuse is, well, I don't even know where the hospital is. Besides, given the situation, the hospital probably wouldn't let a person with a guitar in anyways. Of course, of course I could contact her, I suppose. But then I'm like, well, she probably wouldn't answer. And anyway, what am I going to say? That God told me to come down to whatever hospital that she's at? What if she doesn't even want that? So now I'm having this argument with myself. But eventually I did contact her and I actually dug back. I found the message that I sent her and it says, Val, I don't know if you've experienced it, but God speaks to us sometimes. It's like a nudging. It's like a whisper. Never audible, but sometimes it can be strong urging in your soul and many times we ignore it or we just don't hear it because there's so much else going on in our lives. I have that like crazy now and it's pushing me to send this to you. I'm not far from you and Amy. I don't even know if it's allowed or if it's even wanted. But I have to ask you this because this nudging won't leave me. I've got a guitar. You have a beautiful voice. Do you have any interest in singing to Amy today? Now, her response came very quickly and very positive. We think that would be amazing. And yes, it's okay with the hospital to do so. And my heart jumped up into my throat with fear. So that was that. I mean, I didn't have any more objections. I didn't even have opportunities for objections anymore. See, at this time, Val was already a believer in Christ, but Amy and the people around her weren't. So in her message reply to me, she wanted me to be careful in what I played and what I said. And I wrestled with this on the drive over. I talked to my wife. I sent messages to our friends and our small group to pray for me because in all of this, I wanted to do what God was leading me to do. All the way to the front door, I wrestled with this, and as I walked through the hospital doors, two words came to me very clearly. Just believe. This confirmation came so clearly that I began to feel a peace that washed over all of my anxiety and fear. So I stayed for about an hour. Val sang beautifully to Amy. I sang a few songs that Amy liked. And I also got to sing to Amy's very young son, Drake, trying to be the best light of Jesus that I could. All the while, I was trying to figure out how to use these two words. Just believe. When it came time for me to go, I leaned over to give Amy a hug goodbye, and I whispered into her ear, You just believe, okay? And she said, Okay, I will. And two days later, I found out that Amy's journey on this side of heaven had ended. Two things I want to make clear. First, I did not hear an audible voice. I think that would be crazy. Maybe I'd have to check myself into someplace. But on both occasions, also, that my sinful, selfish heart did not want to go out of my way to listen to this whisper. I had my own plans until my day was interrupted. 
So where does this leave you? Where does this leave us? Does this mean that we should all be hearing God all the time? The Bible doesn't tell us the answer to that question. And even in the situations that I was just telling you about, it was two years between the time of those instances. But I have also spoken to um, people while preparing this message. I've heard stories about how God has spoken or nudged them. Even a friend from this church two days ago sent me a note describing some very powerful ways that God's Spirit has been leading her and her family in the last few years, leading to something very big. These whispers aren't always telling us to go somewhere. Sometimes God brings a person to mind to pray for or a nudge to go talk to a stranger who might need some help. I will point out, however, that God will never nudge you to do something sinful, something that's not in his character, something that's not biblical. So at the time that we have left, I want to give you three ways that you can strive towards hearing God better. So if you're taking notes, the first is simply reading his word. If you don't read the Bible, you may not even know what God's voice sounds like. So how will you know if God's speaking to you? In John chapter, chapter 10, verse 3, Jesus says, The gatekeeper opens the gate for him, and the sheep recognize his voice and come to him. He calls his own sheep by name, and he leads them out. They won't follow a stranger. They will run from him because they don't know his voice. This is how we learn to recognize his voice. We spend time on a regular basis reading the Bible. Doing that is not only going to bring you closer to God, it's going to help you grow in your faith and your relationship with Him. One thing I was reminded of while I was preparing this message was that we are never alone when we are reading the Bible. Those who have put their faith in Christ have received His Spirit, the same Spirit that Jesus promised us in John 14. Jesus tells His disciples, and I will ask the Father and He will give you another advocate who will never leave you. Now Jesus is talking about the Holy Spirit. I think a lot of us forget that, or we've never been taught that. But we have the Holy Spirit living within us, and He's ready to be utilized in helping us to learn what it is that God is trying to teach us through His Word each time that we open it. And I love what Jesus says in John 14, verse 26, But the Helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, He will teach you all things and bring to remembrance all that I have said to you. How many times have you been in a situation where God has brought a certain scripture verse to your mind. It amazes me how much this happens in my own life and in others that I've spoken with. It's probably the easiest way to hear God's voice. When the Spirit brings you a verse that you needed right at that moment, either for yourself or for somebody else. So reading the Bible, get into His Word. The second way to hearing God is simply talking to Him. Another word that Christians have for this is prayer. Last message that Pastor Steve gave was on praying bold prayers and speaking with our Heavenly Father, building a relationship through prayer. Now, before I gave my life to Christ 20 years ago, with a little, what little prayer life that I had consisted of me finding some memorized prayer that I already knew and trying to apply it to the situation, like I would use the Lord's Prayer or I would use Psalm 23 or I would just simply be begging God for something. You see, I used to think that only pastors and priests had this direct line with God. But I've learned that me, I, little insignificant me, could talk to God, talk to the God who created everything, and that he would listen to me. He's interested in what I have to say. And I'm also learning that he wants to communicate back. Now, by talking to him, we build our relationship with God, which is what he wants. He wants to know you intimately. Consider this. In our own lives, if we never talk to our earthly fathers, what kind of relationship would we have? 
Remember that we not only have access to God, but we also have access to Jesus and to the Holy Spirit. Jesus' death and resurrection made it possible for us to have this relationship with Him. So at times, I'm praying to Jesus. If I'm praying for healing for someone, Jesus is the great physician. The Holy Spirit now is a key contributor to our prayer life. The Bible tells us that the Holy Spirit will pray for us when we are unable to do so. Romans 8.26 says, Likewise, the Spirit helps us in our weakness, for we do not know what to pray for as we ought, but the Spirit himself intercedes before us with groanings too deep for words. Now, if we're not inviting the Holy Spirit into our lives, it can be reason for a communication breakdown. The Apostle Paul describes this relationship with the Trinity beautifully in 2 Corinthians chapter 13. He says, May the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. It's short, it's sweet, but it's a direct invitation to commune with the Trinity. The final way today that you can strive toward hearing God's better, God's better is to be in community with each other. Surround yourself with God's people. Love and care for each other. Tell each other your faith stories. If you're new to this faith, find somebody here who can mentor you because there is a place for everyone. You've heard Jeff talk about this before. When life groups get started in the fall, sign up. I've been part of a small group for over a decade, and it's really grown my faith exponentially. As it says in Proverbs 27, 17, as iron sharpens iron, so a friend sharpens a friend. So find some iron. The message that I've given you today could be a series, because there's so many other factors that contribute to our hearing God when he's leading us. But my goal today, my hope, was to make you aware of how God is still leading us today. I've got other testimonies very similar to those that I've told today. And I've also spoken with several others who have shared their experiences with me. Every single one of you matter to God. He's got a plan for your life. The question is, are you open to his plan? Let's pray. Father God, we are so thankful that you give us a place to come together and worship you. We're so thankful for the leadership of this church and those who have listened to your whispers to volunteer and take ownership of this amazing place that you've provided. But we know that all that is here would be nothing without you. So God, we're thankful that you still speak, that you are still active in your church. You are still active through your people and God, you continue to do amazing miracles every day. I pray a special blessing over everyone here today. That those that know you, those who have yet to know you, that you, have, that you give us fine-tuned ears through Jesus and through your Spirit to hear you and take notice when you prompt us. Whisper, us, whisper to us or give us a nudge. And God, give us the courage to obey. So Jesus, we thank you for your sacrifice, that you are alive in us. Without that, we would all still be lost today. And it is in your name. We pray. And all God's people said. So I started out talking about people's testimonies today. I could sit in a room full of people like this and listen to each other's different stories. But if you don't know your story, or maybe your story is just, I don't don't know, I just came to church, I like coming here. But the rest of your week isn't any different than it was. We want you to know that there is more. As Pastor Rich said a few weeks ago, I want more. More is being transformed by giving your life over to Jesus. To experience more of what he has to offer. And the Bible says, when you do that, you become a new creation. 
So if you haven't done that and you want to, maybe you're feeling a nudge today, a whisper yourself. We have a great prayer team up here that can help you out with that. So my challenge this week, if you're not reading your Bible, just try reading one verse a day. I suggest starting with the Gospel of Luke. Or actually the Gospel of John would be great too. Let God start talking to you and you start talking back with prayer.